Go ahead and turn your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 11. That's where we'll be at tonight. No big surprise there, right? So, let's cover a little bit about what's been going on the last few weeks. Last week, uh, Regent started our focus on a man in the Old Testament named Abraham, right? Specifically, Regent focused on the story of how Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. And we learned uh, some really great things about faith in last week's message. Uh, In fact, the entire series that we've been going through so far has been um, based on this, this title, right? This title of, of By Faith. And what we've been looking at is how the Old Testament saints and how their faith has influenced our faith, continues to influence it, and how it causes us to turn our eyes towards Jesus. And I thought, just as a really quick recap, instead of going through each message, I thought it'd be nice to just show you some of the points that we have talked about over our series so far in this. So these have been throughout the messages. These are the things about faith that we have already learned in uh, the book of Hebrews in this 11th chapter, right? Faith produces action. It provides salvation. Faith trusts the promises of God. It provides a worldview. Faith can be tested. Faith produces obedience and faith reveals the fear of God. All these things that we have seen so far in the Old Testament saints that not only describe what faith in general is like, but that inform our faith in Jesus himself. So like I said last week, we were in Abraham, and and today we're going to take a further look at Abraham. But we're going to actually start at the beginning of his story, before the birth of Isaac. We're going to start where he started and carry it to the birth of Isaac. And, And why are we doing that tonight? Because... Well, that's the section in Hebrews 11 that we haven't covered yet, right? And it's important for us to cover it because the author of Hebrews takes really great care to discuss a lot of different aspects of Abraham's life. Like if you're looking at your Bible in Hebrews 11 and you're just sort of looking through the beginning of the paragraphs, you know, by faith Abraham and then Sarah and then back to Abraham, you're going to see that Abraham actually takes up a huge chunk of this chapter. Actually, the only other person that takes up as much time as Abraham is Moses. And Abraham is one of the most essential people in the history of the Jewish people. And the reason he is essential is because he's literally the reason that there are the Jewish people. He is known as the father of the Hebrew nation. It's from his line that all of them have descended. Like he was the one that God made a promise to. He was the one that he was told he would father a great nation and that all the nations would be blessed because of him. God's plan includes Abraham being blessed into a nation, includes Abraham having a son. And we talked about last week, those promises all all supposed to come through that son, right? Through the son that is Isaac. And that's one of the things that Regent stressed so much for us last week was that one of the reasons that it was so crazy for a thought for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac was because all the things that God had promised were supposed to be through Isaac. Isaac actually was the first thing that was promised to Abraham, right? The, the, the way that all of it was going to happen. So we got a chance to look at this pivotal moment in the life of Abraham and Isaac, but we didn't get to see a chance where it all began. 
to see how Abraham started this journey that led to him at the sacrifice of Isaac. And that's what we are looking at tonight, that beginning of Abraham's journey. So another way to to think about it, you know, always trying to reframe exactly what we're doing. We're going to see the things about Abraham's faith that help us learn about our faith. And remember, the series is called By Faith, which every week we're reminding you the definition of faith, right? Because if we're talking about that it's by faith Abraham does this, we need to remember it. So Hebrews 11.1 is on the slide right here. Now faith is two things. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the conviction of things not seen. It's having assurance of the things hoped for and being convicted by the things that are not seen. And Abraham was able to accomplish the things that we're about to read by that. By doing those things. So let's go ahead and and dive into the passage together. Get your eyes on Hebrews 11 and we're going to start in verse 8. If you'll remember the author of Hebrews is just finishing up his example of Noah and the righteousness that came by faith. And now he transitions to Abraham by saying in verse 8. By Abraham. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So that's the first phrase we see of by faith in this passage right there. By faith, what did Abraham's faith give him the strength to do? His faith gave him the strength to leave everything that he knew behind. Gave him the strength to leave the place of his upbringing. Gave him the strength to leave the security that comes with establishment. The security that comes with familiarity. He he had the strength by faith, by that definition, he had the strength by faith to go. Much like when many of you left your hometown, and decided to go to college. You you were leaving most of the things that you knew behind. And you were going somewhere new. Now, I know that's not all of you, but for many of you, that is the case. And the thing is, though, you, you roughly knew where you were going, right? Like, you had an idea of the college, at least. Maybe if you had a roommate, you had an idea of who your roommate might be. You had an idea of maybe what major you were taking, what classes you might be taking. Good chance you knew some or all of those things. But Abraham didn't really know much at this point. And we know that because the author of Hebrews tells us that he didn't know where he was going. It says it right there in verse 8. So that leads us to the the first thing that we can learn about our faith in this passage. And it's our faith, like the Christian faith. Our faith does not promise security. Now I wanted wanted to word this point originally, faith is blind. I thought like, oh that, you know, like not knowing where you're going, faith is blind, it's a thing. But I just, I think that the wording that I chose here brings a little more clarity to, to what the scripture is, is nuancing. It. And what the scripture reveals here is that if you have faith, you are not always guaranteed to have a physical or informational security in life. And for some of you, that is a tragic thought because you like certainty. 
You like knowing what something will be like when you get there. In fact, many of you will choose not to participate in things because you are uncertain based on the information provided and the uncertainty that situation might lean itself towards. Like, I'm the same way. It's in our human nature to be like that. Like, let's take um, like our summer trip down to Radius this, this past like summer, August, September time. Like, I know, that because I talked to some of you, I know for a fact that there are some of you who did not go because you weren't sure what it was going to be like. Because you were uncertain. that, that you, you felt in you a lack of security about what it would mean to go down to Tijuana, Mexico. Even though you had a promise that your church would be with you. You had a promise that God would speak to you. Would work in your life through that. Or CrossCon, right? I, like I know for a fact because I talked to some of you. That there were some of you that didn't come to CrossCon because you were uncertain about the content. You were uncertain what was going to be said or, or how it was going to apply to you. You were uncertain how that might stretch you. But let's, let's put the spiritual things aside. Like It's easy to guess that there are some of you in this room who wouldn't try a new restaurant because of the uncertainty that you would like it or not. Or a new food. Right? If you don't know if you're going to like it, if you're uncertain, many of you will just lean towards keeping it safe. Like I could literally be eating a, a meal in front of you, like fork in one hand, print out of like a five-star review about this particular dish in the other, and there are some of you that still would not want to try it because of the uncertainty of whether or not you will like it. Why? Because it's in our human nature to want to maintain our safety, to want to maintain our security. It's in our human nature to desire that. But it's in God's nature to reward those who deny that part of themselves often. It's in God's nature to reward those that deny that part of themselves when it comes to fulfilling the calling that he has placed on their lives. That's how it was for Abraham here. Like, if we were to look at Genesis 12, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. But we see God's call on Abraham in Genesis 12, the very beginning of the chapter. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, he changed his name later. Don't have time to get into that. But his name changed. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. There's that promise. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That is like the start of all covenants and promises in, in Abraham's life right there. We actually sang about it when we sang promises just a little bit ago. But he says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So God called Abraham to leave everything he knew. He called him to leave his home. He called him to leave his country. He called him to leave his family. You know, and he called him to leave his father's house, which, by the way, like that's everything. Like back then in that time of, of human history, like your father's house was everything. We're talking about a time before currency. We're talking about a time when your livelihood was what you had among you as a family. We're talking about a time before part-time jobs, before high school and college and careers. 
We're talking about a time when your family was your life. Your father's career was your career. If your father was a shepherd, you were a shepherd. Your father's home was your home. We're talking about a time when multiple generations of family lived together. Like you, you didn't just move away from your family. Like your family was your tribe. Your family was your nation. It was your home. That's how it was. And God is calling Abraham to step out of that safety and that comfort and into what? Well, that's the point. We, we don't know. Like Abraham doesn't know at that point. He says, like, I'll, I, I'll give you a land. I'll take you to a land I, that I will show you. Like he promises something, but he doesn't tell him where that is. So Abraham's faith, it did not promise a security in the sense of having all the details, all the information. Like the faith God required of him did not come with a security in worldly circumstances. But it did come with that promise, right? Just like our faith in Christ does not promise us security in life. We are not promised wealth or health. We are not promised financial or familial security. Like We're not given certainty of where or who we are going to be called to. But just like Abraham... We are given a promise. And our promise is, as scripture calls it, the better promise. The more fulfilled promise. The promise of eternal life. The promise of an abundant life in Christ. The promise of being in God's presence at the end of days. So all that to say, like, be encouraged. Right? Be encouraged because our faith doesn't promise a level of security of like information but our faith does provide certainty. That's the, the second point. Like our faith provides certainty. Our faith does promise the certainty of God fulfilling his promises. And just like Regent said last week, like we need to trust in those promises. We need to lean on those promises. Like faith causes us to lean on those promises. We are called to have the faith that Abraham had. That's why we see the author of Hebrews going through this in the first place, right? He's listing Old Testament, Old Testament, Old Testament, saint, 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 that we would follow after them and have a faith like them, but have a better faith in them because we have the complete picture of Jesus. We need to follow after Abraham because that's what he did, right? He didn't have promise of security where he would live. He didn't have a promise of this experience in the immediate future, but he had a certainty that God would fulfill the great promises of making him a nation, of giving him a land someday. And so Abraham, by faith, right? So by trusting in what he couldn't see, by being assured of what he was hoping for, he went into the unknown. Faith doesn't promise security, but it does promise certainty. So that's what we see in the first few verses. Let's get our eyes back in the text. Look at verse 11 with me. So we, we talked about Abraham, and now it switches over to Sarah, his wife. And it says, once again, by faith, Sarah, uh, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, 
were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Here's the next point for tonight. Through this, and through the faith of Sarah right here, we learn that our faith is miraculous. Our faith is miraculous. Now, miraculous means occurring through divine or supernatural intervention. That's the simplest definition. So a miracle is something that happens because of God's interaction with it. Like healings in the New Testament are a really great example. A person was sick or broken, right? Whether they were born that way or something in life happened to them. But what we know is that a natural occurrence of creation would not heal them, right? They weren't just going to get better on their own. They were heading one direction in one plane and Jesus, who was God, the divine, Jesus came and he intervened. He changed their course of history. Like that's what miraculous means, right? They were one way and the divine intervened. And so like when I say faith is miraculous, what do I mean when I say miraculous, when we look at that definition, well, it's miraculous in two ways. And the first one is that our faith is a miracle in itself. When I say faith is miraculous, I mean that our faith is a miracle in itself. Like we've covered this one uh, a lot in the, in the past week. So I'm just going to quickly summarize it. But we've talked several times about how our faith is given to us by God. Like in our natural state, in our sinful state, we do not desire God. We do not want Him. Like Scripture shows us that. Romans 3, if you just want to jot that down, Romans 3, 9 through 11, talks about this. And it says, right, that that like both Jews and Greeks and everyone under sin, like none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands and no one seeks for God. No one seeks for God. Like without something changing in us, we do not seek God. But God gives us faith. He intervenes, right? He intervenes in our lives to awaken us to a salvation, like to a knowledge that leads to the truth. So when I say that faith is a miracle in itself, I mean that we were one way, we were heading one direction, and the divine intervened in our life. That is a miracle. Like the divine intervened in our life. So your desire to love God, your desire to seek Him, your desire to know Him, your salvation, it's a miraculous thing. Like it's, it's literally a miracle. So faith is a miracle in itself. But that's not the only thing I mean here. And, and scripture that we're reading right now reveals something else as well. It, it reveals that, that like our faith being miraculous also means that it brings the miraculous to our lives. Like it brings the miraculous to our lives. And Sarah is a great example here of this. Like we see it in Genesis. Like I said, you don't have to flip to Genesis. But this is Genesis chapter 18. And this is just a little segment of, of Sarah's life, right? It says, now Abraham and Sarah were old. That's a great description right off the bat, right? Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to her, herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, Abraham, shall I have pleasure? Like, shall I be given the desire of my heart after being so 
old? Like, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. So here we are, after Abraham, by faith, left his homeland, stepped into the unknown with nothing but a promise from God. And this promise that God gave him to be a father of the nation is on his doorstep, right? Like, it is about to happen. And instead of God choosing to fulfill his promise through a young woman, instead of God choosing to fulfill his promise through a woman that it would completely make sense for, he chooses Sarah. Sarah, who is not able to have children. That's what it means in the scripture when it says that the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. To put it blank, like she no longer had the physical capability of having children. But what does Hebrews say? It says in verse 12 of Hebrews right here, chapter 11, like she considered him God. She considered him faithful. And because of that, You can look there in verse 11. Because of that, what what do we see? By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. So because Sarah had faith, she was blessed to witness the miraculous, to be a part of the miraculous. And the same is true for those of us who have put our faith in Christ like our faith in Christ causes us to see the miraculous whether it's in our own lives right like the provision from God the the protection that comes from God the blessing in our lives that comes from God or whether it's in the lives of other people like I know I've seen it in my own life like been able to to see the miraculous way that that God works right like my wife isn't supposed to have children that's it's not supposed to be us we're not supposed to be able to have kids And yet she's sitting here like eight months pregnant at this point, right? And and the fact that she's pregnant isn't the only miraculous part about it. But it's the fact that God has given us the faith to be able to acknowledge that that was him at work. To see it for what it was. That it was God truly working. That in itself it is miraculous. Like we as Christians... Like, if you are a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, confess with your mouth that he's Lord, believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead. Like, if that's you, then we as Christians have been given this amazing gift to discern the spiritual, to see what God is doing. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then this verse, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So when we place our faith in Christ, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And that in itself 
allows us to see the spiritual things, allows us to acknowledge them, allows us to understand what a miracle is and know who is at work. Like God has given us the spirit so that we can see spiritual things, like to see a pregnant wife and know that God was at work in that moment, to like to see the provision of a job, right? To see the healing from an illness and know that God was at work because we have faith. We get to see the miraculous happen in everyday things. And miraculous things happen out of the ordinary as well, right? That was Sarah's story. Like she had faith and God allowed her the miraculous gift of having a child. Like we can't write that out as well. Her faith led to her getting to be a part of the miraculous because our faith is miraculous. All right, we're heading into the last part of our text. Just look at verse 13. These all died in faith. So talking about all of the saints that we've already talked about in Hebrews 11. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So what the author is saying is that Abraham and Sarah and Noah and, and, and all the Old Testament saints we've read about so far, like the heroes of the faith already listed, he's saying that they were faithful to the end. Faithful to the end even when they couldn't see the fulfillment of the promise that was given to them. And this gives us a, a quick point tonight, but, but true nonetheless, and that's our faith produces perseverance. Like, if you have a sincere faith, then you have a faith that will persevere, a faith that will endure till the end, just like Abraham, just like Sarah, and as we're going to see, as we move towards the end of Hebrews 11, just like Jesus. Every week so far, we've brought up Hebrews 11, 1. I have to give you the definition of faith. And we've brought up Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. To talk about where the end goal is of Hebrews 11. right? And just that second part of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, where it's telling us like, to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Then it makes this statement about Jesus. It says... Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despising the shame. Like Jesus had a joy that was set before him. Jesus had something he was looking towards. Just like part of our definition of faith is that we have something we can't see, something that we are hoping for, right? We have assurance of the things that we hope for. And we're convicted by the things that we can't see. Like Jesus had a joy set before him. And that joy allowed him to endure the cross. That joy gave him the perseverance to go through the crucifixion. Like one way to tell if you have a sincere faith is to see if your faith is enduring. Like if it perseveres, even when you can't see reward. That's the kind of faith you need to have. That's the kind of faith we should all be striving towards, is to have that kind of faith. Like, you should desire to have an authentic faith that causes you to persevere. Like I said, that was just a quick point heading into our last point of the night. Look at our last little chunk of scripture for tonight. 13 through 16, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear 
that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. That's a a long chunk of scripture compared to what we've been going through, but that shows us that our last point is this. Our faith sets us apart. What does the text say about the saints of the Old Testament here? It says that they acknowledge that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Meaning they were saying that the earth is not their home. But rather their citizenship lied somewhere else. Now like this subject is literally a whole other message in itself. Like I don't have time to go through all the nuances of what it means that our citizenship is in heaven and that it's not here on earth. What it means to be in this world but not belong to the world. But what we do have time for is to see how the faith of Abraham and Sarah made them feel about this topic, right? How it caused them to act in this topic. And that is, they felt, Abraham and Sarah felt that they didn't belong to their earthly home and instead belonged to, it says, a heavenly country, a heavenly home. That's what it means in verse 14 when it says that people who speak thus, like meaning people who acknowledge, people who acknowledge that they are strangers and exiles on the earth, people who speak that way, They're making it clear that they have a separate homeland. And verse 15 supports this, right? Verse 15 supports it by saying that if they had been seeking any old homeland, that they could have just turned back to the one they had come from. But they didn't. Like all, and and the same is, is for us, right? Those of sincere faith. Like if we are just seeking, if like if we're just seeking acceptance or belonging or worldly pressure or success or whatever that is, like if we're if we're seeking the things of the world, then why don't we just turn back to the world and receive them back from where we came? If that's what you want in life, why don't you just turn back to the old life you had? That's what it was already giving you. We could turn back and receive what the world had already been given us. However, we're seeking something better. We are seeking what only God can provide. Redemption, true peace, true joy, eternity with God. And because we desire those things, because the Spirit empowers us to desire those things, like we make it clear, we don't want to return to the world. We don't want our citizenship to be anywhere else. We don't want the homeland that we had before we knew Christ. We don't want those old lives, but instead we're going to act as aliens to this world. Like we may live in it, but we don't belong to it. A sincere faith sets us apart from those who belong to the world, and it sets us apart in word, and it sets us apart in deed. And because we acknowledge we don't belong to the world, but belong to God, essentially like we acknowledge that Jesus our Lord and Savior, like God does something. What, is, what does it say that God does for people that are like that? Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Like because we desire to be set apart, belonging to God and not the world, God is not ashamed to be called our God. Like how amazing is that? Right, that like this big God that we talk about every single week, this amazing, all-powerful, all-knowing God, like that 
God that knows every single one of your sins. He knows every single one of your shortcomings. Like the God who knew every single sin and shortcoming and what Abraham had done and what Abraham will do. Like that God, he's not ashamed of you if you belong to him. Why is he not ashamed? Because if that's you, you're his. So really the only final question at the end of this message is, is not necessarily am I acting like that at this moment? Like the, the deeper question right off the bat is do you belong to him? Because if you sincerely believe you belong to him, if you have sincerely confessed a faith in Christ and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, like if that's you, these things will be instilled in you. These things will be a part of your faith. You won't desire the things of the world. You will desire God and, and his country and, and, and his heavenly place. Like that's going to be you. So we learned a lot about what our faith does, right? That it's miraculous and that it provides and certainty and security and, and all these things. But you can only say our faith if you belong to that faith. If you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you believe he was raised from the dead. I hit it several times over the last few weeks because that's what Scripture's showing us. And so I, I just want to place it back in your hands tonight that if that's not you, I'd love for you to come talk to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Find a leader, have a conversation with them. We'd love to help you come to know Jesus. And if you feel like you haven't been living this life of faith that we've seen through all these saints, and you're like, you don't know how to really piece that together, Come talk to us, right? We'd love to have a conversation with you. Take advantage of that. You have people here that are literally here because they want to talk to you, because they want to know you, because they want to love you. You're not always going to find that in every situation in life, but you'll find it here. So come talk to us. So that's what we learned about our faith tonight as we head into the next few weeks. Next week, Pastor Garth is going to be preaching, and he's going to be talking about why do we pray? Like, what's the point of prayer? Why should we, how should we, those, those topics of conversation. So if that sounds interesting to you, come be here for Pastor Garth preaching through that. Um, I chose him for that specific topic because I think he handles it really well and he really shows it well in his life. And I want you to see someone that lives it out in their life preach about it, actually. So I don't think you want to miss next Thursday if you're able to be here. You know what? First, let me pray for us before we get into the rest of the night. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we've had a great opportunity to worship you and to be together. Lord, thank you so much for all the, the, the witnesses that have come before us that show us what it means to have faith in you. I pray, Lord, you continue speaking to us. I pray that you bring great conversations through community, whether it be people talking to the leaders or us just talking to one another. Be with us in this night for your glory and your fame. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.